You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. Dish TV is better than cable TV. Here's why. Dish has the nation's lowest TV price, along with an award-winning DVR that can skip commercials, record eight shows at once, and get access to thousands of movies at your fingertips. Cable simply can't even compare. So the smart choice is to cut the cable and get Dish. Plus, you get all these great TV features, free HD DVR upgrade, free installation, and free movie channels. Say goodbye to cable and get more with Dish TV. Call 855-212-6536. 855-212-6536. As an added bonus, you can switch to Dish now and receive a $50 Visa gift card. So call now and get Dish TV. 855-212-6536. 855-212-6536. That's 855-212-6536. Limited time offer, 24-month commitment, and credit qualification required. Cancellation fee, monthly equipment fees, and other restrictions apply. Promotion can change at any time. Welcome into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. It is the weekend of Friday, December 11th, 2020, our 25th year on the air. And speaking of the 25th, my gosh, that's two weekends from now. Merry Christmas, if you're celebrating Christmas. And, of course, Hanukkah's coming up and Kwanzaa and whatever you might or might not celebrate. But tis the season. So we hope that you stay tuned and heed our advice by the way, about online shopping and use caution and deal with companies you've heard of and that sort of thing. If you missed the first part of our one, do check that out because we have some other examples of people that are getting ripped off online. What did, you ran across something, as a matter of fact. Yeah, the, uh, the just-launched PlayStation 5 video game console is sold out everywhere and available only through resellers at, of course, inflated prices. But, of course, scams are out there, too. Yeah. Um, one reseller group told Business Insider that it bought 3,500 consoles, and resellers said that they were selling the $500 PlayStations for as much as $1,100. Oh, my God. And that's been a problem with these because there's bots out there that these companies employ that as mm-hmm. soon as these things go on sale, these bots quickly buy them all up. Mm-hmm. They then inflate the price and resell them to people that are willing to pay that. Sure. Um, but now some scammers are taking advantage of the scramble to get a PlayStation 5 with deceptive listings for photos of the consoles, some of which have already bid up hundreds of dollars on eBay. To get a picture right. of the console. But the problem is these people, aren't, they're not really careful when they go to purchase that they think they're purchasing a PlayStation 5, but yeah. really they're purchasing a picture of the PlayStation 5. Oh, now, the website has now issued a warning to the sellers trying to profit off the system scarcity. Uh, the company has also cautioned buyers to closely read descriptions on high-priced items, and victims should refer to eBay's money-back guarantee for listings that are not as described. Oh, for sure. You know, found- and they shut them down as quick as they can, but meantime, how many people have spent hundreds of dollars thinking they were getting, in this case, a PlayStation 5, only to get a picture of a PlayStation yeah, 5. There was a man in uh, Utah that filed a police report because he he bought from eBay what he thought was a PlayStation 5, and instead he got a cinder block in the mail. A cinder block? Yeah. In a box, at least, <laughs> of guess, a PlayStation yeah. 5? <laughs> but even that, they got to really work hard to scam a box and make it look legit, and then open it up, and it's a cinder block. Yeah. Great. So, you see, there should be no doubt why we like to always warn people to be careful about shopping online because you don't feel and touch whatever it is like you do in a brick-and-mortar store. 
Yeah, and I even talked about this back in March or April. I fell victim on, on Amazon when everybody was buying up all the toilet paper, which, of course, you know, I, I'd like to know what kind of person, you know, when you, you are for your survival instincts, you know, tell you, oh, let me get toilet paper. <laughs> anyway, but I couldn't find toilet paper in the store. So I went to Amazon and I found a listing for toilet paper. And turns out that uh, after this company took my money, I learned that, oh, they were a scam. And there were so many people complaining that all this company does is just take your money and they never ship anything out. And mm-hmm. luckily I got Amazon to refund my money. Oh, so Amazon did refund. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. And you use the money for, well, never mind. (laughs) So, again, please be careful. Don't deal with people you've never heard of. Uh, Again, check out uh, Hour 1, Segment 1 for more uh, tips, warnings, concerns that we like to share. Along the lines of we also tell you every week on the show one way or another to back up your important data. Similarly, you got pictures and videos and all sorts of things, documents, If you run your business from home, for example, or or even from work, from an office, back up your important data always and regularly, and then have an off-premise backup. Put a USB drive at Grandma's house up uh, up in the cupboard where nobody can reach it, where you know it is. For backup purposes. Yeah, or subscribe to one of these cloud services that oh, of you know, course. gives you drives. I mean, we, we have uh, the Office or the Microsoft 365, whatever they're calling it these days. It was Office yeah. 365, <laughs> Microsoft 365. I think it's Microsoft 365 yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. But I think we pay you know, $99 a year, whatever. And we have five accounts each that have that it come with a terabyte of cloud storage, yeah. which is great because now we each have our well some of our stuff back up because you and I both have tons more than just a terabyte. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we'll fill up that and we'll fill up, you know, I think that we get 50 gig free with, Go- with the Google. So we mm-hmm. fill that up with other stuff and, you the know. only problem is you got to remember where you put all this stuff yeah because that's a concern but if you have it on a separate hard drive off premise you hopefully remember where you put it off premise yeah. and then you just obtain it periodically and update it yeah and i i was so bad about backing up my phone that i ended up having to just you know suck it up and i pay apple every month now for extra icloud storage mm-hmm. so that i can at least automatically back my phone up to the cloud because i was going months between backups, and I knew I was I was destined for a major disaster with my phone crashing. Yep. Speaking of Apple, Apple's Mac OS Big Sur offers many new user tools, including a revamped menu interface and widget customization. You always want to customize your widgets, of course. Uh, other additions include battery preferences, audio feedback during typing, if you'd like that sort of thing, new wallpapers, and a control center with options that can be pinned to the menu bar. So there's some new things coming out, in this case, with Apple's macOS Big Sur. The uh, Arecibo Observatory, a huge and previously damaged radio telescope in Puerto Rico that played a key role in astronomical discoveries for more than half a century, completely collapsed last week. Yeah, saw that on the news and went, did they do that on purpose? Yeah, I mean, yeah. were they actually imploding it or something? Because, wow, that was a mess. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the telescope's 900-ton receiver platform fell onto the reflector dish more than 400 feet below. Puerto Rican meteorologist uh, Ada Monzon broke into tears on local TV as she delivered the devastating news to other heartbroken Puerto Ricans across the territory. The U.S. National Science Foundation had earlier announced the uh, Arecibo Observatory would be closed. An auxiliary cable snapped in August, causing a 100-foot gash on the 1,000-foot-wide reflector dish and damaged the receiver platform that hung above it. Then a main cable broke in early November. So the collapse stunned many scientists who had relied on what was until then the largest radio telescope in the world. Yeah. And what was really strange is that they had, I guess they have an occasional camera 
always pointing at it anyway for security purposes or whatever. So they had it on video, but then they also had a drone above it showing the collapse. Now, why did they have a drone in the air at the time? See, something fishy about that. So I don't know, but wow. Researchers from the University of California at Berkeley have created a COVID-19 test that uses a smartphone camera to detect SARS-CoV-2 in nasal swab samples and can deliver results within 30 minutes. Medgadget reports that the test uses an enzyme that splits viral RNA, creating a fluorescent signal that can be picked up by the phone's camera. Which is kind of kind of cool. Now, notice it still says it'll detect it in a nasal swab sample. So you still got to tickle the brain, apparently. And then this device will allow it to be read with a phone camera. But that's certainly another improvement, perhaps, especially if it, you get results within 30 minutes. You don't yeah. have to wait three days or something. Yeah, I mean, that's the one, the one good thing, I guess, that came out of this pandemic is it, it, it has driven so much tech oh, yeah. and advancements in technology. Operation this. Warp Speed has, has done just that. I mean, there have been other revelations with people trying to hurry with a vaccine and hurry with other tests and so forth. So, again, let's hope that we've got some additional advantages out of the med technology that has come as a result. Yeah. So this story is a little more science than tech, but the two often go hand in hand. And since I was on kind of a space kind of theme with the telescope. And I'll allow um, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a very trying year on Earth, of course, uh, but a spectacular one up above with a Halloween blue moon and a Thanksgiving Eve pairing of the moon and Mars. Now get ready for a rare, spectacular sight just before Christmas. An event dubbed a Great Conjunction will happen on December 21st, when Jupiter and Saturn, the two biggest planets in our solar system, appear very close in the sky. Closer, in fact, than they have been since the Middle Ages. Oh. The event is so legendary that some have associated it with the famed Star of Bethlehem that guided the three wise men in the Bible's nativity story. Neat. Uh, the December 21st event will be the closest observable conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn since the year 1226. I remember it was a good year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the next time they're expected to appear similarly close together will be in 2080. So if you don't catch it this year, you may not catch it again. It's going to be another 60 years before you have a chance. Yeah, I probably won't be around then. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, you'd just be playing reruns of me. Yeah. yeah. But that's kind of cool. Now, that what that means, as I understand it, is that with both planets being so close together in that sense, it's going to be much, much brighter. So that's where we'll be able to see it, I believe, in the southwestern sky? I think so. On what date? December 21st. So mark your calendars. You know, and I've had this big Celestron telescope sitting in my uh, in the spare room in my house for months, and I think I finally may need to actually get it out and try to... You'll see a lot out. more of it than the rest of us will. Yeah. We'll just see what appears to be a somewhat brighter star, but with the Celestron telescope, man, you'll be able to really see it. Now, I hope you have a way to connect your phone and take pictures, too. Apparently, you can connect the phone camera, I guess, up to it or yeah. take pictures. Yeah. All right. Promise us on the air right now. Raise your right hand. I promise I'll try. You, no, that's not <laughs> acceptable. Promise you'll do it, and then you will post said pictures at intotomorrow.com. Okay. Promise. Okay. Yeah. Well, folks, we're taking that to be a promise. And if he doesn't do it, we will all collectively slam him on the radio. 
Okay. Yeah. (laughs) NASA tapped four companies to collect material from the moon. The program, which selected Lunar Outpost, iSpace Japan, iSpace Europe, and Maston Space Systems, goes a long way toward setting a precedent about the role the private sector will play in the mining of resources on the moon and beyond. So we'll see what happens if these four companies can gather the stuff from the moon. Maybe they'll then be gathering stuff from Mars and Uranus and Saturn. Um, Excuse me? (laughs) All the planets. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. A recent study shows that young people have turned to digital devices to fill holes left by the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, you know, it comes as no surprise to us. Um, This is a practice, though, that elevates depression, anxiety, and hopelessness. Jennifer Seibel Newsom, founder of the California Partners Project, with authored a study alongside the Child Mind Institute, said, Our kids weren't built to live their lives chained to supercomputers. The problem is not a new one. Even before COVID-19, 95% of teens could access a smartphone and spent multiple hours a day on a screen, according to the Pew Research Center in 2019. Hmm. But in March, schools across the nation closed and shelter-in-place requirements forced many teens home. The study says what many teens initially embraced as a short, unexpected school break has become an extended trip to new territory with no return ticket. So that is sad because even your son Cameron figured he was going to be off school for a week and then they started doing the online learning stuff. You got to keep your studies going. And then it became more and more and more not going back to school. He's finally been back to school, right? Yeah. Uh, for a couple of months now, which is good. And he so missed it, not only to the camaraderie of fellow students, but the whole interaction with the teacher. I remember you telling me that his mother would report to you that he would get in trouble sometimes because he would get away from the Zoom camera and be messing around instead of on camera reporting to the teacher. Yeah, he would constantly get his toys or his little dog to then bring and show the class and (laughs) tell him, Cameron, this is school time. (laughs) You can't bring your dog to school. You can't bring him to your Zoom school either. (laughs) But at least he was very, he was one that was really thrilled when word came out that he was going to be able to go back to school, the actual schoolhouse. And I think it's been very helpful to him for some time and, and the other students as well. Yeah, but, you know, but the study kind of, you know, shows you that, you know, these kids, you know, are spending a lot more time with screens, whether you yeah. know, even in school. And, and you know, we always said you need to limit screen time anyway. And with the added school screen time, you know, parents need to be kind of vigilant and, you know, have your kids read a book or, you know, mm-hmm. talk to your, their friends on the phone or something. Not video calls, but just talk to them on the phone or, you know, go out when they can. Bob in Worcester, Massachusetts, listens online. Welcome into tomorrow. Hi, Dave. My receiver that I have been using for the last 20 years finally died. So I went down to a local store and I bought a brand new one. When I got it home, I found out there was no AM, just FM only. Oh. My question to you is, do you think AM radio is dead? No. Or the manufacturer was just trying to save some costs. Thank you, and you have a great show. Well, thank you, Bob. We appreciate that. It sounds like a case of cost savings, believe it or not. AM and FM radio have both been changing to meet the times. Uh, So as more people shift to streaming their music, for example, from phones or smart speakers, FM has taken to simulcasting most AM talk shows. Which, of course, tells you the opposite, that AM's not dead. AM's actually more popular in many cases than FM because the FM stations are taking those AM streams. Very true. In fact, 
fact, we have many of our affiliates are on both their AM and FM, and some have gone just to FM as FM Talk. Either way, we're still on many of both. Yeah, and there are some obvious advantages there. FM sounds better, but AM still wins in other ways, like range. AM still has a large and dedicated audience, so it does seem very early to be trying to take it out of devices. Sometimes, though, these uh, cheaper devices are marketed to people who don't really care. For example, brands like Vizio have been making displays without TV tuners for years. TV's not dead, though. Uh, but some people don't use or need the TV tuner and would rather pay slightly less and just not have it. Now, that's see, that's a good example, because if you don't need a tuner, in this case in a TV, why pay for it? So many people are simply doing streaming or they have an OTC over the top, OTT, you know, different box, what have you. Whether it's a cable box or any of these other things, Fire TV, Hulu sticks, all the various sticks and so forth. So you probably don't even use the tuner for your local TV anymore. Yeah. Now, depending on the type of receiver you got, the reason might be simple. For example, FM chips can be embedded into the same chips that manage Wi-Fi signals. In fact, many people don't realize that I think even the iPhones still have an FM chip embedded in them. Mm -hmm. It's never been activated. But we could technically receive FM stations on an iPhone. Um, So if you bought a receiver that's Wi-Fi capable, FM probably came for free, and AM would have cost them extra hardware. Intotomorrow.com is where you can get a whole lot more, and be sure to check out all three hours. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver's and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-281-7048-800-281-7048-800-281-7048. That's 800-281-7048. Hi, Dave and Chris. I'm uh, calling you to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I listen to your show every week, and I love it. And to all my friends in Hawaii, I want to say Mele Kalikimaka and Haole Makahikiho. Well, very good. Thank you, Nolan. I wish I was in Hawaii. Uh, that would be nice. Well, come on. We're the next best place, Miami. Yeah. So, you know, Hawaii's not all that exciting. Yeah. I mean, we don't even have an affiliate there, so who, who would want to live there? Yeah. I'll go to Guam instead. There you go. We do have an affiliate in Guam. Thank you, Nolan. If you'd like to be like Nolan and send us your holiday greeting we can play on the air after commercial breaks, please use the Into Tomorrow app, the audio options. Keep it under 30 seconds. You can make it 15, 20, 30 seconds. We will add the music, and we'll get you on the air. And you might even get a prize for participating that way. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And to fight the COVID pandemic, we need to know who is sick. Well, maybe your fitness ban can tell us. With this week's Into Tomorrow Health Tech Minute, brought to you by Dexcom, here's Alfred Poor. Thanks, Dave. 
The recent surge in coronavirus infections nationwide makes it more important than ever that we are able to determine who is sick so that we can get them early treatment and help slow the spread of the disease. A recent study by researchers at the Scripps Research Translational Institute tried to identify infected individuals using self-reported symptom information. They also tried using data from fitness bands, tracking resting heart rate, minutes of sleep, and number of daily steps. They found that both the self-reported information and the fitness data were able to provide some indication of whether a given subject was likely to be infected. But they discovered that the accuracy was much better when they combined both the symptom reports and the fitness band data. The system's ability to predict whether a subject was positive or negative for the virus rose to 80%. This is a good example of how different data sets can yield more information than you'd get from any one set alone. For Into Tomorrow, I'm Alfred Poor. Back to you, Dave. Thanks, Alfred. The Into Tomorrow Health Tech Minute brought to you by Dexcom. Always know where your glucose is headed and how fast. Visit Dexcom.com. That's D-E-X-C-O-M dot com. When you call in and participate on the program, that automatically qualifies you to win goodies that we share. As a matter of fact, we like to share several of those goodies with our audience, and it's really very easy for you. No promises, no guarantees, but mention one or two of the items that you're about to hear us mention. And if we can, we'll try to get one of those to you. For example... From Puro Sound Labs, we've got a wireless noise-canceling headphones for kids. Uh, from Sylvania, smart Wi-Fi light bulbs. These are pretty cool. Turtle Beats provided a Stealth 700 wireless gaming headset. Ooh, that's worth a lot, too, right there. Love handles. You want a Dave love handle. Trust me, these are custom into tomorrow. Smartphone grips. You can always ask for one of those. We're happy to send it. And from EasyViz, we've got some indoor pan-tilt Wi-Fi security cameras. And it's so easy to participate. The bestest way possible, yeah, I said bestest, is to use the audio option on the free Into Tomorrow app. Or call 800-899-INTO anytime. Guys, by now, you've heard the great news. If you've wanted to try Viagra or Cialis, but were worried about the price, Blue Pills Direct can finally give you the results you've been looking for. Why pay almost $15 per pill when you can get the same results you need for only $2 per pill? That's right. Call today and receive 50 blue pills or 50 yellow pills for only $99. That's only $2 per pill and saves you almost $500 from your local pharmacy. Why wait? Call 888-914-4247 today and finally have those breathtaking, toe-curling moments again and again. Call 888-914-4247 right now and we'll rush your order discreetly packaged to your door. Just call 888-914-4247. That's 888-914-4247. Call 888-914-4247. Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline, now in our 25th year on the air, and delighted that you've tuned into tomorrow, of course, as we continue to cover the latest in consumer tech. Everything from products and services, gadgets and gizmos, important websites, whatever the case, available today 
and into tomorrow. So thank you for joining us. Thank you again and in advance when you actually join us on the program, because we love to send you prizes when you participate. And that's all you have to do. Call in with a question. Let us solve a digital dilemma, maybe help for another listener. You want to add to one of our answers that we've provided to someone. Whatever the case, we want to hear you on the show. And we love sharing all kind of goodies with you when we do hear you. So you can call anytime, 24-7, toll free from anywhere in North America. You can even uh, text to our 800 number these days. But we try to not do too many texts or emails. We want to hear you on the show. It is radio predominantly, after all. 800-899-INTO. 1-800-899-4686. Anytime at your convenience, 24-7. Or even better, the audio option on the free Into Tomorrow app. Either way. Join us on the program. Our next guest is with a nonprofit organization focused on understanding and addressing media's impact on child development. So that certainly caught our attention, being one of those media types, but also having kids and grandkids, and the concerns are there. So the founder and president of Children and Screens, the Institute of Digital Media and Child Development, joins us, Dr. Pam Hurst de la Pietra. Dr. Pam, welcome into tomorrow. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Dave. It's a pleasure. Uh, Tell me about the organization, first of all, and then let's get into some of the various things that you guys are working very hard at these days. Well, great. So I founded Children and Screens, the Institute of Digital Media and Child Development, in 2013, and it has since uh, become one of the nation's leading nonprofits that's dedicated to advancing and supporting the scientific research into the cognitive, psychological, and physical effects of digital media on toddlers, children, and adolescents. And uh, we also, uh, as part of our mission, we're also uh, informing and educating the public, which is why I'm so happy to be here. Ah, and of course, it is important. You talk about uh, digital media, uh, and of course, I refer a lot to uh, anti-social media, but especially how it's <laughs> affecting kids lately. You know, whether or not they just can't get away from TikTok or Instagram or or even Facebook. Although, if their parents are on Facebook, they're typically not. Uh, but uh, I'm assuming that it's also all about screen time and making sure that they're just not living on one of these digital devices all the time. Yes, particularly, you know, during the pandemic, we've seen a dramatic rise in screen use among children as uh, they've been uh, forced to uh, learn um, virtually and in many cases, and also uh, have it be the predominant uh, source of um, socialization and um, entertainment. Uh, So, you know, as uh, other options became more limited, uh, this was, uh, you know, a, uh, an alternative for them. Hmm. And in, in some cases, it's been a lifeline for kids. And uh, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Oh, for sure. And I remember my eight-year-old Cameron, when he had the opportunity, what, my grandson, eight-year-old, uh, that 
he was talking about finally he was able to go back to school, and they started up uh, on uh, October 5th, I think it was, or, or actually earlier than that. Uh, and he was so excited about being able to go back to actually the schoolhouse and was so over, you know, the meetings, uh, you know, virtual schooling and the teacher and waving and, you know, why is so-and-so not on camera? Get back to your seat, you know, and that kind of stuff that... I was encouraged that he was excited about being able to physically get back into school. And I think most of the kids have been like that, especially the younger ones. You know, they they not only need it, but they want that camaraderie with their classmates and the ability to learn in person again. So getting off the screens for that purpose certainly has been encouraging for a lot of the younger students. Yes, I don't think that we can underestimate the social-emotional impact of um, this kind of uh, face-to-face interaction. And uh, you're right, a lot of people, just the way adults right now even have what we call Zoom fatigue. Yes. Uh, you, know, chill, you know, looking at uh, the screen for six hours a day, especially the little ones uh, that don't have the attention span and, you know, it's difficult for their engagement. So I can completely understand uh, you know, that kind of really excitement to get back to school. Oh, for sure. One of the things I'm noticing on your website at childrenandscreens.com is screen time versus dream time. Uh, you give a lot of tips for promoting healthy sleep habits, especially during COVID-19. Uh, maybe that's something that a lot of parents haven't thought about. You know, too much screen yeah, time have, causes um, a lot of we problems. We have these bi-weekly webinars uh, as well as uh, tip, lots of lots of tips for parents and other resources. Um, and uh, next week, we're in fact uh, talking about persuasive technology. And I don't know if anyone has seen the movie um, Social Dilemma. Um, and uh, that's uh, one of the most popular documentaries on Netflix right now. Uh, but that discusses it well. I'm, I'm not representing them in any way, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, maybe people have seen it. And uh, we brought in some experts to talk about uh, the ways that uh, technology uh, is, you know, influencing uh, children's behavior to stay on longer and also influencing, you know, what they're looking at and uh, what the impacts of that are. Well, and I know one of your major concerns uh, for helping children lead healthy lives in this digital world is cyberbullying as well. Um, It's perhaps happening a whole lot more than most parents realize. Uh, So what are some of the different ways that cyberbullying can manifest for children these days? Right. Um, Cyberbullying can be really uh, manifested in a number of different ways, and um, you know, one of them is uh, through uh, lying. Uh, they can, you know, kids can spread rumors. Uh, they can post unflattering pictures or videos of other kids without their consent. Uh, they can, I can be more subtle by leaving uh, uh, kids out of tags or photos, uh, sharing personal conversations uh, through screenshots, um, mean comments or posts. And then sort of less commonly, uh, you know, they can create a website about someone or they can assume another person's identity. And uh, so there's a lot of different ways uh, that uh, kids can be cruel to one another, as, as well as, you know, adults can be. 
Um, and I think we've all seen that as well. So it can be through, uh, through social media, messaging, um, through, uh, video games as well. Wow. Some things that maybe parents are thinking about where, at the very least, don't allow them to be chatting with others on video games, especially if you don't know who they are. You know, if it's their best friend and they're playing a game and they're chatting, okay, but still keep an eye on things. And and I'm wondering what types of conversations do you recommend that parents should have with their kids, especially about online meanness, hopefully before it even happens? Yes. So I think the first thing that parents can do is to kind of give them a 101 about cyberbullying, um, sort of um, that there's uh, this, you know, intent sometimes that they might come across this intentional and repeated harassment um, uh, through electronic means and, um, you know, in, in one of those platforms or devices and um, to kind of set rules around it. Uh, for social media use, for example, and uh, that it's really important for them to be honest and, you know, consistent and uh, let them know that, you know, sometimes others don't, you know, follow those rules, but, uh, you know, to be really what we call a good, uh, you know, instead of being a bystander to that, to be, you know, an upstander and um, that they can uh, lay the groundwork by, just saying, you can discuss anything with me. Um, so, you know, oftentimes kids might feel shame or other feelings uh, about this kind of cruelty, and they don't really know how to talk to their parents about it. So if they can, if the parents can kind of preempt uh, something by saying that, you know, we're, we're here for you, and anything you want to bring will be really understanding, and we're not going to blame you for that. And then um, that, you know, that this kind of cruelty doesn't align with with their family values. And um, then also to strengthen their social skills. So um, they, they, what um, Michael Sikalski uh, calls a 3F, which is that, you know, the family, um, you know, we don't post information that you, you shouldn't post information that you wouldn't want to share with your mom. <laughs> And, you know, assume everything that you share uh, will be on there forever. Um, and we're working toward, uh, you know, this uh, ability for kids to be able to delete uh, what is on the web about them um, at some point. But we haven't gotten there yet. So, so far, to let the kids know that it will be online forever. And then uh, the third F is freely which is that assume that there's no privacy online and ask them uh, that, you know, let them know that the information that they share will be available to everyone. And I'm, I'm, and so, I'm wondering. You know, the social skills development is really great. And, and of course, having one good friend is always, uh, is, is always great, even for adults. <laughs> oh, very true. I'm wondering, though, if one of the problems might be that uh, that perhaps some of the younger kids might be afraid to even let their parents know, as you kind of made reference to, about being cyberbullied. But it might be because they're afraid then they'll have less screen time. It's like, well, then you you got to stay off your computer. That's it. And it's like, well, that kind of defeats the purpose. You know, I'm sharing with you, mom or dad, because I'm concerned and I we had this talk and so forth. 
but you know, I hope you don't just take it away from me altogether because that doesn't seem to be the the solution. Right, I completely agree, and the experts agree as well that you know they recommend not uh, using uh, you know the taking away the screens as a consequence, you know, and to encourage positive use and not really responding uh, to the bully. Um, you know, if it gets to the point that it's dangerous or really bad, you know, they can speak to the schools or other parents, et cetera. But um, I think that it's important that uh, the kids uh, know that uh, the parents will be uh, super understanding as far as not uh, taking away the screens. Uh, but sometimes it really means uh, you know, getting a new friend group, as as, as hard as that might be, uh, you know, and, and these kids might even like that or prefer that more than getting their screens taken away. That's true. And, and perhaps a good point there is that the parents can then say, well, maybe they're not really your friend. Think about that. If they're being nasty and mean and so forth, a friend wouldn't do that. And instead of threatening to take them away, you know, take the screen away, take the, the you know, the phone or the iPod or, or something of that nature away, uh, get more into that discussion. And then perhaps the kids won't be so afraid to admit it. Yes, that's, that's absolutely true. And, you know, as, as I, I hinted, that being like a rock-solid listener and to, you know, give kids, a sh- re- you know, to really try to reassure them um, that they have someone that they can confide in and that will help them work through any emotional uh, situation that they may be having. So whether it be cyberbullying or you know, in-person bullying, and just to reinforce that it's not their fault. Good advice. I appreciate that. There's much more of that uh, where this came from, too. By all means, visit childrenandscreens.com, helping children lead healthy lives in this digital world. And Dr. Pam and her team will do just that when you visit their site. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Thank you so much, Dave. Take care. You too. It's our pleasure. Again, childrenandscreens.com. We'll link you there when you visit us at intotomorrow.com. I'm Dave Graveline. We continue bringing you further into tomorrow right here on the Advanced Media Network. Do you owe $10,000 or more on at least two federal student loans? then you may qualify for new programs offered by the Department of Education. These programs can reduce your interest, lower your payments, and possibly qualify you for loan forgiveness. If you have $10,000 or more and at least two federal student loans and currently not in school, you may qualify for one of these programs. Call now to check your eligibility. Student loan advisors are standing by to help you determine if you qualify for these new programs. They can help you reduce your interest, lower your payment, and even forgive a portion of your student loan debt. Take control of your financial future. Make this free five-minute free call now to Nationwide Student Loans and learn how you can reduce your student loan debt. 800-817-2939. 800-817-2939. 800-817-2939. 800-817-2939.
Happy holiday, everyone. It's Erasmo, the jingle guy I into tomorrow. Wishing you a happy holiday and remind you that Christmas is the season of peace and goodwill. Till you go shopping and get the bill. Back to you, Dave. <laughs> he speaks the truth. Yes. It's, he's so accurate. Thank you, Erasmo. <laughs> you are absolutely correct. Everybody loves the jingle guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you would like to also share with us your holiday greetings, please do use the audio option on the free Into Tomorrow app so you sound like you're right here. Just your voice, up to 30 seconds or so. We'll add the music and we'll get you on the air next week. But you got to hurry. We're running out of time before Christmas and the holidays. So do share that with us sooner than later, like right now. Take your time, but hurry. Right. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet, America's number one choice for satellite Internet. Text RADIO to 35000 if you'd like more info. Again, text the word RADIO to 35000. I shall do just that. Very cool. Eddie in Columbus, Mississippi, listens on Super Talk. Hello there. Welcome Into Tomorrow. Hey, guys. I just wanted to know the best Wi-Fi extender cost uh, reliability, that sort of thing. Thanks. Wow. Okay. Short and sweet. But, Eddie, in terms of cost, your least expensive solution will be just any old-style repeater. Any normal Wi-Fi extender or repeater will be very cheap. Think around 20 bucks for that matter. But they're usually harder to set up and not as seamless to use. The setup process sometimes requires, or more likely strongly encourages, a repeater of the same make as your Wi-Fi router. Now, if they're not compatible, some will force you to either connect it via a wired network or create a second Wi-Fi network to repeat the signal. It can get a little complicated. Yeah, now that's not every repeater. Some work better, but it's often a far-from-seamless experience. Um, On the other end of the spectrum, you have mesh devices uh, that just talk to each other, for the most part, self-manage themselves. The setup in this case will be pretty simple, and they'll likely work as set-it-and-forget-it kind of devices. They'll also hand off your device between each other, depending on what node you're getting the best signal from without you ever noticing. You'll only see one network and the rest is up to them. Now, the downside of those systems is price. You'll have to replace the router and get at least one repeater, so you're looking at around $200 for a Google Wi-Fi, Eero Mesh, or a Netgear Orbi pair. Yeah, and we use Orbi here in our studios and love it. And I have the the version before Orbi at my house, and it works great for me. Yeah, and what because I love you about, have upstairs downstairs issues, and it solved that problem. Yeah, and what I love about these mesh systems is they're all expandable. So if you have a bigger house, you just buy a set another device, and you can expand the range in your home. I wish I had a bigger house. Yeah, maybe Santa will bring one for Christmas. There you go. Intotomorrow dot com. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries. So there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over $1.30 in Canadian dollars. And it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. 
And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling Tickets That Cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 800-586-8571. 800-586-8571. That's 800-586-8571. I love my TV and cell phone, and Merry Christmas from Guam, where America's Day begins. Well, thank you. That's Patricia in Guam. You can send a similar message if you'd like. Up to 30 seconds. We'll be happy to air it. We'll add the holiday music for it and so forth. While we're in Guam, Verna in Guam, listening on our affiliate there, K57, Guam's hottest talk. Hey, Verna. Computer technology has been awesome, both good and bad, actually. I am a teacher, and it is great how the kids are able to access information so quickly, but it is also not so great when they don't know how to weed out the information or do the actual research, which I try to work with. So technology, I love it. I love it, but there are also downsides. Well, thank you, Verna. Good points. Very important points, too, that you bring out. And thank you for being a teacher and working so hard with these young minds. But you're absolutely right. Sometimes tech can be a big advantage, and sometimes it just complicates life a little. Yep. That that happens. But we do appreciate your input, by all means. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by StreamGuys.com, providing the 24-7 stream of Into Tomorrow at our website at IntoTomorrow.com and on our free Into Tomorrow app. Ah, and that reminds me that if you should miss any of our three hours, whether it be the first hour or the last hour, whatever the case, you can always hear it for free at IntoTomorrow.com. <laughs> 